Tonight, Joseph. I made a lot of notes. Look. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. If Jeff, I didn't know what he was doing. He well, just indicated that he, was, that he were coming in. Oh, did he? Because he said the other night that he wasn't. I mean, I said to him that he could. Well, if Jess doesn't want me to tell that story when he came to visit in Melbourne, like I, I wouldn't. Like I just thought he would just stay off air because he didn't want me to tell that story. I mean, you're more than welcome to tell that story. Is it? Is it? Is it uh, safe for work? Is it all right? Well, um, Hello and welcome to the next episode of um, uh, Housecast. We are proudly sponsored by uh, Johnny Russell uh, from the Art Caterers uh, and Milltown Pies. You've got uh, Joe Martin. No Jess tonight, so it's just me and uh, Joe on this one. Joe, is there any truth in the rumour that Jez is not here because he's fed up with you bullying him about his, um, <laughs> about his, about his batting stats? Um, I profusely apologise for this. Um, it, I just thought it needed to be in for context. Yeah, big I mean, they've been discussed previously. <laughs> By the way, Joe, who's eating this? It sounds very violent. Um, um, that is um, my sister. I don't know if she's trying to eat the plate, but uh, she's doing a good job. So, uh, tonight's guest, that you've already heard him, is a larger-than-life character, both metaphorically and, uh, and literally. Uh, he was our pro from 2011 to 2013. We won various titles with him, and we're really pleased to have him on the podcast tonight. Francois, welcome to Housecast. How are you getting on in the lockdown? Um, all right, Joe and, and Dooch. I'm getting all right. Um, I'm, I'm pretty good at keeping myself occupied, keeping busy, starting to coach again this week, so actively trying to see how much I can put my shoulder out playing golf as well, barbecuing, and, and I did bits and bobs early on in the lockdown um, outside to make sure I don't go uh, insane. Well, I think that's um, definitely something that we've all uh, had to um, think about during the lockdown, to be honest with you. So we'll, uh, we'll get started with just how you ended up coming to Law House in 2011. Any sort of discussions or uh, how that came about? Well, I, I was pretty strange because obviously I've been overseas um, two previous seasons uh, before I went to university and then in my last year of university I started playing a bit of first class cricket leading into me finishing my degree and uh, I was just keen to not have a winter off in South Africa and keen to get overseas. It sort of coincided with a, a bit of a breakup of a long-term girlfriend so it was sort of a something to look forward to in terms of but so agents just rang up and said, there's a, there's a club that uh, wants you. And I just went, yeah. I didn't really look into it at all. It was just pure luck, to be honest. Um, I can't say that I was like going through office. I, I think I had an offer in Scotland as well at the time. And I, it just sort of lower house was sort of the first one that came up. And uh, I, I remember speaking to Gary as well a little bit because uh, my agency and Gary sort of had like an interlink halfway sort of agreement thing and uh, speaking to Gary and he was like, it's a great club, blah, blah, blah. And I was just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm all aboard. 
Right, so so we do, so we I remember signing you, and I remember you um, turning up for the for the nets. Um, I mean, the first thing I noticed was the size of you. Um, I'm only um, I'm only short, um, but I can remember you turning up and thinking, "Oh, geez, he's tall." I can remember doing and obviously bowling in the nets. I can't remember, what can you remember your first thoughts of Francois Joseph? Ugly, I'd say. I was struck by his ugliness. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I, I can't, to be honest, Joe, I, I can't really remember that build-up, the build-up to that season. I was just looking at it earlier we, in the pros that we'd had immediately before him. In 2009, we signed Jason Krasier, although he never turned up. Yeah. Australian spinner. 2010, we had Heels O, Aaron Heel, Australian mm-hmm. spinner. So I, would, I just wondered what was going through our minds really there. Well, we're obviously on a track of signing spinners, but we've not had any great success. And then we end up with a, a South African seamer. Yeah, well, I can remember, um, I mean, 2010 was my first full season with Heels O. And obviously, it probably didn't go as planned. It wasn't, uh, wasn't an easy season. We was youngsters coming in, a few more experienced players. But I can remember talking to Stanny about why we were, why we were looking to sign uh, Francois. And one of the reasons for it is when you looked at his first-class stats was his economy. And he was thinking about controlling games and obviously Francois gave us a lot of control. And I think, I mean, you couldn't have been very old then, Frank, I don't think. You must 23, 24? Yes, somewhere there. But you know what that translates to me, by the way, uh, Joe? It just translates that I'm very boring. Like, he's boring as, he just bowls boring balls and he, and he bowls dots. And the funny thing about that is, like, for some reason, it really annoys me going for boundaries. I take more joy in bowling maiden sometimes than I do in taking wickets. And I don't know if that is from not necessarily having the firepower to just run in and take wickets, but I somehow just thrived on, I hate going for runs. Like it's like a pet hate of mine. I, I, I would rather go bowl 10 overs for 20 runs and take one wicket than bowl 10 overs for 60 runs and take six wickets. Uh, I can remember, I mean, it's really interesting that you've said that, Frank, actually, because I can remember speaking to Mark Whitehead about, me and Mark talk a lot about cricket and stuff that's happened in the past and things for the future. In in that first season, and in fact, throughout the three seasons that you were the professional, we always talked about the fact that you were unplayable. <laughs> you were so difficult. You might not have taken, I think you took 70-odd wickets in your first year, and you were unplayable in games where people just couldn't get you off the square. It was so difficult. And the thing is that, um, as, as I say, we'll talk about it later, but that provided opportunities for other people at the other end because they'd try and hit Finch out of the ground or they'd try and hit Johnny Russell out of the ground or, you know, when Dooch came on to ball, I remember Dooch bowling a couple of times that year, you know, and they would. So I think um, that was a real sort of important part of the plan at the time. And the other thing that I can remember is you, one of the first people you spoke to was my dad uh, and the conversation you had with it, so Francois, why have you come over here? And your, um, your word to him was, because I want to win the league. So, there you go. That's the first thing. Um, people must have thought you joined the wrong club at that stage. <laughs> the, the funny thing about that is, is that, obviously, I've had two years' experience beforehand. And sort of in my second year, I didn't have the greatest experience in terms of life outside. Like, I was still an amateur cricketer at the time. I had to work whilst playing cricket. I, just everything about it as a 19-year-old kid on my own in Liverpool. Like, when I left there, I was like, I never wanted to come back to England. So, and then starting to break through in the first class um, system in South Africa, you very quickly realise, like, my background in cricket is I started playing cricket. I was at the next today and I was saying, like, 
when I started playing second team cricket at my cricket club, the older blokes were playing with tinnies of beer and cigarettes. Like when the bowler ran in, they put their fag down next to their feet with a cab behind them. That's why I started playing cricket, like as a youngster. So it was a very sociable and very, I don't know, old school way of playing cricket. So when I started breaking into first class scene, it was just very apparent that, especially in the South African setup, that it wasn't very team orientated. And you, I started, everybody was just happy about performing individually and uh, making sure that they were securing their place. Like averaging 40 and losing games was better than averaging 30 and winning games. All right, James. Hey, James. Oh, you all right? <laughs> yeah, good, thanks. Um, we, I mean, I we thought start... you were bothering, James. Yeah. Clapping went on. <laughs> what, for 20 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, uh, not like your area. I thought it was off past. I thought the me- I don't know. I thought the mess it might it might have been half past. Jez, we've got the we've got a couple of issues. This is just to say the Lanks League website and Cricket Archive are down, so I can't access any any stats. Ah, okay. <laughs> oh, it's down where I am anyway. So we'll just have to. I'll just have to try and remember some of the stats. Well, just to let you know, I averaged fifty in two thousand eleven. What with the ball? Yeah, and I, <laughs> and I took 105 wickets, so uh, <laughs> verify that, but I'm pretty sure that was my stat. I think you averaged 35 in 2011 and you took 75 wickets. Yeah. Um, well, um, the thing though was, yeah, so like I was saying, so what, when I signed to come overseas back again, having a bad experience in my last season, like when I was 19, and then playing in that setup where it was very individual, nobody wanted to play. I just wanted to come overseas and I wanted to play for somebody that, I, that, that wants to win. And I can vividly remember this, that two nights or one night before I was supposed to fly over, one of my mates came over to my house. They had a barbecue, we had a few beers. And I remember ringing up Gary, saying to Gary, so just tell me more about Lower House. Like, I, I don't want to come over. I want just to come over and win. I'm not worried about the money. Like, at that time, my contract was minuscule in terms of uh, pros anyway and I, I just wanted to come over and win like I wanted to play in a team that just were all pulling in the same direction and uh, it made it so sweet like when we actually won the league because I, I said this to David Rain as well that was quite vocal like I want to win the league like everybody I suppose thought like ah it's just a very young inexperienced kid just just come over from overseas and he's obviously doesn't know what he's talking about and uh, it was just nice that when we won at Todmorden I can remember hugging David Rain and just saying to him, I told you so. And it was such a vivid memory that still sticks in my mind because David was obviously emotional because it was so unexpected how everything happened. It was just, uh, that's why 2011 will always be like uh, the hallmark of my cricketing career, regardless of playing professional, whatever it may be. But that season, just how it all sort of uh, came together. Yeah. So what were your what were your initial thoughts of the club, Francois? When you first arrived, I've told you my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but what can you remember what you were thinking as you kind of not really sort of uh, Gary gave me a, a decent rundown in terms he said it's a great community club everybody wants to get stuck in uh, he thinks you'll, you'll fit in really well if you if whatever you put in um, you'll get out of the club so I didn't have any initial thoughts um, and, and I've always said this the reason maybe I really fitted in well is my upbringing was sort of in a similar environment like Excuse me, I grew up in a very working man environment, sort of hometown in South Africa where it wasn't option, everything wasn't given. And when I came to Burnley, it just felt like home in, in a sense where everybody was just 
sort of <laughs> down to earth and everybody just wanted to get on and, and, and have a crack at it. So the fact also you had dudes, Johnny Russell, Blaze, Charlie, who were all the more experienced players, but had massive hunger to do something special, just made everything sort of easier. And uh, I'm pretty lucky in that sense that you could have, I could have the same attitude and join somebody else. If there are some ego clashes, it wouldn't have worked. It was just sort of a, a perfect mixture, to be honest. Joe Beneducci, can, I, don't, I don't know why I said your last name then, because I won't be talking to myself. Can you remember Francois's first two friendly games that we played? Was okay. one of them at um, was one of them at Burley and Wharfdale or not? Was that a bit? Well, that must have been a bit. That later. were a bit. That were a bit later. Yeah, I think that was later. the year after. So where were they? Go on, remind our me. Our first game was at Farmworth. And yeah, we I got had it the other way around, uh, Joe. Our first game was at home. I don't. I can. I could not tell you who it was against, but I can. I can. Oh. why I can remember it. <laughs> <laughs> I went out to bat. First ever ball for Lower House. Left a straight one. Got bowled. Walked off. And one of the supporters said to David, bloody hell, David, it's going to be another long season. (laughs) (laughs) Top it off. I went into the changing room, obviously not knowing anybody. I got Johnny Russell to come give me throwdowns. Obviously, knowing what I know now, I would never have told him to bring his batting gloves. But at the time, I went, Johnny, take your batting gloves and we'll give each other's throws. And he went like, no, it's not. I said, take your batting gloves and we'll throw to each other. Obviously, knowing now, I would never have said that. But at the time, I threw him balls. He threw me balls. Well, like we had like an hour in the net after I got ball. You don't know how lucky you are. He's, he's never he's never trained for an hour seriously in his entire life. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember either of the two friendlies, Joe, but I do remember the first league game. Yeah, right. Well, bake let's get let's get away. let's get on to that then. So the first um, league game was at Bake Up. So our first league game was at Bake Up. Now, this is a very, very memorable game for, for lots of people, for lots of reasons. Uh, Frankie, what can you remember from that first game? Being quite nervous and also playing at Bake Up, your first ever game in the middle of April and in uh, the height of the English summer was quite an experience for me. I don't think uh, things will get that cold. It was uh, quite an experience. But also playing against uh, John John Smuts, which was quite a renowned name at the time, a big time signing for them. And I was just like, uh, just making my way into the game at the time. I was, I was just a little bit nervous to sort of, um, hopefully not embarrass myself. I, I, I don't remember anything in terms of the bowling. I think we sort of grinded it out. It wasn't a particular big score, but we didn't feel it was out of hand. And then sort of the, the second part of the innings, uh, I'm just quite proud. that I'm the only one that didn't get out to see Fox. So I, I thought I batted quite well. <laughs> Now, from the thing I can remember from that game was, I think the last we bowled them out. You ran, you ran the last person out, I think, from memory. But but before the game started, now I've already prompted you on this. In the Lanks League, we you bat your own ball, and I don't think you knew that because <laughs> you picked oh, yeah, their ball. Oh yeah. So we had to pick balls, didn't we? Yeah, so yeah. I was like picking the best ever ball ever, yeah. So we picked the darkest ball I've ever seen. And obviously, we go, we go into bat. Things start reasonably well. Finch starts reasonably well with Johnny. But then things obviously got worse from, <laughs> worse from there. Uh, we were bowled out for 47. Not a, not a great day. <laughs> not one of the best days I've, uh, I've been involved in. But after that game, Frank, what were you thinking? 
So, actually, funny coaching today, I saw Paul Stanley there and I said, there wasn't really many memorable games. Like, I, I was trying to think back and I had a little bit of a look and scan through. And even that Baker game, there was nothing that really stood out other than obviously getting bowled out cheaply and Seahawks uh, taking nine wickets. But there's nothing memorable that I can remember. I was not, like, disheartened or getting down. A season is, is, is quite long you can have terrible blowout losses and and still come back stronger i mean it, it wasn't i i can't remember anything like that springs out to mind like i was like heavily disappointed or i thought oh what what have i got myself into at all well if you remember there were there were seven lbws yeah he got he got yeah, now thing. can't take that away from me seven lbws well, so yeah. we were all talking about coming off you know how how can you have seven yeah. LBWs in one. The first game of the season, you're telling me the umpire is sure yeah. that all those seven LBWs are out. Well, obviously playing... When he's swinging it that with, far. Yeah, I agree. But obviously playing with Blaze and a few of the other boys for a numerous of seasons, uh, I've never heard them come off and say that was plum either. So maybe... <laughs> <laughs> so maybe at the time, I was just like ridiculous. Seven LBWs. But I, yeah, I think that sort of softened the blow, didn't it? The fact that there were that many LBWs. Yeah. That, didn't you get caught down leg last wicket out or something, dude? No, I, uh, Stanley was angry at me because uh, we were complaining about the LBW decision, saying the balls probably weren't going to go and hit the stumps, and I got clean balled. So <laughs> I didn't really do a lot to help that theory. <laughs> Jess, can you remember anything from from the start of that? Can you remember that game or? I can. I can, Joe. I was uh, was sat there in my car. And I'm, I'm quite warm-blooded, but I actually had the heater on. I had to put the engine on and put the heater on. <laughs> and and I, I hear what you're saying, Frankie, that, you know, we all complain about decisions and, you know, it's always... But that has probably got to be one of the most frustrating games as a spectator, watching that. Because, you know, I, I went, you know, obviously from square leg, you struggle to um, to know what the ball's doing or anything. But, and I walked around the ground a couple of times watching you know, how this lad was bowling. And I didn't, I can't remember witnessing anything like it. The LBs were outraged. And I used to say that when I was playing, but that was a ridiculous game. Now, you know, I don't, you players obviously, you know, accept that it's a little bit better, but, I, you know, I can remember. Because didn't he end up getting, I mean, I don't even know he is, this sitcom. sitcom. He's, he's at, he's at um, Aslinden now. He was Aslinden's captain for a few years. Right. Did he, he only, did he something ridiculous like get about, 14 wickets all year. 21 he got all year. Now he won the first game, 21 all year. You know, so it was, you know, I had not met you then, I don't think, Frank, so it was difficult to judge. You, you appeared to bowl well looking at, at the figures. But, you know, with a good side, it was a promising year. And as you said, Frank, you know, one swallow doesn't make the summer. No, it is, it is quite weird. Like, I always think, like, you are always going to have a blowout loss somewhere along the season. And the biggest, though the hardest to take sometimes is it when it happens when you have a lot of momentum. I found, like, obviously playing a few years in the league, like, early on, it doesn't matter how many games you really win or lose. It's sort of in the middle of the season where you really need to start. If you start to string a few wins along somewhere in the middle of the season, you start steamrolling teams, like, um, yeah. Amateurs start losing interest in the game. They go like, oh, we're not playing for anything. We can't be bothered. And when they play against, oh, we're playing against Lower House and they've won 10 games on the trot mid-season, they're like, once you get on top of them, they sort of don't really fight back. And yeah. I think that happened halfway in the season. It would have been a lot more devastating than first game of the season. I think first game of the season, it was sort of a 
just a reality check saying we need to work a bit harder. And I think it was then very easy to motivate everybody to get really get back to working hard. Yeah, no, it's a good point, that Frankie. It's, you know, at the start of the season, it's always historically at Lower House when we we we, we never start particularly well. And I remember, you know, driving away from that that game. If I just, you know, thought this team, oh, we're going to win the league. You know, you just thought, oh, hang on a minute, we, you know, there's no luck going on. We've just been absolutely stuck by a break upside. We were, I'm trying to say, pretty average. But as the year went on, it was um, a phenomenal year, I thought. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Jez. And I've, but after we, after we lost that game, Johnny White had started singing after every game, we're going to win the league. Even yeah. after that game, which, well, it showed where we were at, I think. So, Frankie, obviously, we sort of dusted ourselves off and then we went on a bit of a... Uh, we beat Haslingdon, we beat Nelson, um, we beat Todmorden. Okay, some really good performances from yourself. You got 60-odd against Todmorden and five wickets. Again, you got 40-odd against Nelson and five wickets. And against Haslingdon, uh, you got four wickets. So, you started pretty well. Now, the next game that we played was against uh, Ramy, fifth or sixth game of the season. Uh, and I thought that was a really important game for our really young, um, sort of new team, if you like. I just don't know if you've got any recollections of that game. Oh, I do massive. So, obviously, at the time, Rams Botten were God's gift to Lancashire League cricket. I mean, John Fielding, if, when he bowled, you were not allowed to score runs. He was getting wickets. And he was taking that he take two seasons in a row, 100 wickets, and they've just won the league. And they were on, I don't know how many matches unbeaten run. And uh, my recollection of the game is uh, Charlie just kept pogging John Fielding uh, into park. Like, that was, that's pretty much my recollection of that game. I can't remember bowling or I could just remember Charlie kept hitting him for six. And it's quite scary to think that Charlie played that type of innings back in at five, I think. And then he hardly batted in the top six, really, after that. Mm. He was sort of shifting himself down. Yeah. Yeah, he got 80-odd uh, Got eighty odd that day. And Ferg Bailey got 40-odd. Really important partnership for our season. But you, you're right, he just kept smashing kept smashing John Fielding and um, Wormsley, I think, over the clubhouse. Just kept, just kept whacking it, and obviously we went, we went to ball. We two hundreds always a good score, competitive in Lanks League. So it was, it was as we were getting out to, um, to ball. We had a little bit of confidence in us. We took an early wicket, and then their pro was uh, obviously batting, batted well. Shannon Stewart and got seventy odd, uh, and then the rain came, and I can remember <laughs> Joe Hawke. As it was, as it was raining, walking off. This in. is the wrong. This is the wrong season, Joe, because you're thinking about 2012. I'm a when Joe went, it never stops raining in the valley. Oh, Joe right. didn't play. I'm going to say he didn't play in 2011. I'm looking at the card. But of course, he didn't play. Card, though, this is how I knew. Like, I'm, I'm not. I don't. I'm not in all agreement with some dodgy rules of the Lancashire League, and some of their rain-affected rules where they go like one half of whatever batting average. What, when I look back at that scorecard, I'm thinking, how did we win that? Rami was well on their way to just winning that with like six or seven wickets. And then the rain came and we, and we won it. But I, it felt really undeserving looking back on it, to be honest. Yeah, they needed 38 yeah. off the last eight overs, four wickets yeah. down. I mean, you back I mean, yourself to win that every, single, that every single time. Yeah. And we, but we won by 26 runs. So it wasn't even close. So, yeah. So, anyway, it, yeah, this is a completely different argument, but some of the weird rules that the Lancashire League have, the, that was, like, one of that I could never understand. Like, that you, you got completely 
they must have been fuming sitting in the changing room afterwards. Uh, it says um, on the scorecard, it says they, they needed to be at 182 at the, at the point that we came off with still over seven overs left. <laughs> Silly that. Silly. Silly. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think it's great rules, the fact, you know what, if you're bowling second and you've got it, it's fantastic. <laughs> I can remember coming off, off that game though and winning and thinking, this is... This is unbelievable. We've managed to win five games in a row here, six games in a row. And at that point, after we beat Rami, who were, we thought were the best team, great team, we had real confidence going into those next games as we, as we, uh, as we moved through. So the next, the next games that I want to discuss, we beat Church in another rain-affected game. And there was a lot of controversy around this, around this one as well. We batted first, got 150 out of 50 overs, obviously a wet, wet track, but batted pretty well. They went into bat and they can, we took a couple of wickets and you got side out, you got their pro out, shouldering arms. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you hit somebody on the pad, shouldering an arms in the Lambs League, it's out. Out. Well, I yeah. think it's same, same, as, same as a sweet rule. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we went off for... Um, we went off for rain, uh, and Dooch, can you remember what happened? Vaguely. I remember Mark Clayton was the umpire, and some cock-up with the score. We were ready to go back on, but they'd not calculated the score that was needed, and by the time they finished arguing, we'd run out of time. So, we, so we just, that was the end of the game. I can remember... Right? Yeah, absolutely. I can remember them saying... Uh, and I don't know whether this is, was Stanny um, joking or whatever, but I can remember the umpires um, saying, well, what we'll do is we'll play out the remaining overs and then we'll work out who's won at the end. <laughs> 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 um, but they ran out of time. And I don't think, I don't think Mark Clayton umpired another game after that. I think he gave, I think he gave up. Weren't, weren't, weren't happy with it. But obviously we won we we won again and we and we carried on winning. Uh, put a good run together. We got we got beat by Rottenstall, but then we had a big derby game against uh, Burnley at Lower, uh, at the club. And this was uh, the introduction of Hassan. So Hassan had come back to play at this point. Uh, he was available and and ready to and ready to play. Um, Just to point out, sorry, Joe. When did yeah. Ben come back? Because Ben was sort of a a late signing as well because he had appendicitis, didn't he? So, yeah. Um, just one thing to point out for that season, and not that I saw Ben today at Nets and he pointed out that I should mention him for 2011, but he, he made a, a really big impact. For me personally, uh, playing with Ben, 2011 is still his best season. Like the way he came in and just injected that aggressiveness at the top of the order was like, People forget about that, like sort of because he wasn't playing every game, he wasn't maybe there from the start, but he scored probably more runs almost in the, the three quarters or half the games, maybe. Well, I think his appendi- uh, appendix had burst, hadn't they? And he had to, or... yeah, and he wasn't, he had a wedding as well, didn't he? he oh, yeah, he got, he got married, yeah, yeah. Well, this Burnley game was the game that he came back, um, this was his first game back. At the club, can you remember who the pro was that year, Francois? Yeah. So the funny thing about that is, is that at the time we were doing our level two coaching, and all the pros had to go to the same time. And I think Gary was the agent of Cole's pro and Burnley's pro, so I had to drive them all over to Bradford, so like pick them up in the morning, and go over to Bradford to do our level two. Um, but yeah, it was it was Imad Wazim. 
Um, obviously now very well renowned Pakistan international, a very good 2020 bowler. Um, but when he was pro, yeah, he was sort of a bedtime bowler and more of a batter. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do remember Char I do remember Charlie getting to him at, uh, at the game at Burnley. Yeah, I no surprise there. But Charlie was Charlie was chirping at him all the time. He was out in the middle, and he ended up complaining to the umpire. Yeah, Bag. yeah, I can remember that. <laughs> uh, so Hassan got uh, fifty odd this game. Um, obviously, a quality player. You obviously wouldn't have seen him play before, Frank. You wouldn't have. He didn't come training. Oh. So, and obviously, that was the first time you saw him. How good a player do you think he was? I think uh, the hardest thing in uh, league cricket and Lancaster League is a rotating strike. And he had sort of a very uncanny ability to be able to get singles at will, which with the ball, with the wickets being slow, the outfield being slow, the bowlers being slow, it's very hard sometimes to manufacture singles. And he had the uncanny, it was not a big boundary hitter where somebody comes in and just blasts it away. He just had the ability to find singles at will. Like before you knew it, he was like on 30. Mm. I'll realise and I think he was vitally important just like like I said with Ben just like he goes missing in that 2011 season like people just forget about that son and he he played a crucial role and mm. I think uh, taking pressure off myself but also the rest of the inexperienced batting lineup, just by churning out runs really like a 30 or a 40 or every game yeah absolutely Joseph yeah we've had an anonymous question about Hassan actually submitted it's not actually a question, it's a statement, but it's anonymous. It says, I think Hassan Khan would have, been, would have outscored Blaise if he'd have played the same amount of games. Discuss. Well, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at the average, then yeah, I guess it would. But it would, I think they're, they're very different. If Blaise had played on the same tracks that we play on now, I don't know, Jez, would, would he have scored more runs? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm not sure who sent it in, John. I don't, Dooch, and I don't know if... It's anonymous. Uh, yeah, but I, I'm not sure if you know who sent it in, but I've never heard as much old shite in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's there, if he plays as many games, if he keeps himself fit, if he... But there is no one can hold a candle to bless. Nope. <laughs> no, and you know what the funny yeah. thing is, though, Jase? This is... So my first season, obviously, I've, I've come over and uh, sitting in the training room and everybody is going like, oh, Blaze is here. He's like the best player you've ever seen at Lower House. And he had a very average year, really. I, I, I honestly went back to Africa thinking like, oh, yeah, obviously, he's good for amateur cricket and uh, he's just a good player. And yeah, he's all right. But 2012, that knock he played against Enfield, I was like, I, I, I can't explain how good that was. I can't think of many pro professional players I've played against or players that I've looked up to that could play that sort of a knockdown. And that's sort of where Blaise elevated himself. I just think in 2011, he never really needed to do that. I think it was just sort of, we just got enough runs every time. Our bowling attack was so tight that we never really just needed to score any big runs. And uh, he just got enough runs every time when we need it. Yeah, no, I, I, Frank, yeah, I agree. And, he, I mean, he's, and he's done it the last four or five years. You know, he, he's not one to push himself where, you know, he maybe should be batting. He'll do the best for the team. And, you know, I know I had a, a little outburst then, but looking over a full career, you know, the, the times Blaise has battered on poor wickets, 
on good wickets against really top pros. And, you know, he's, he's the lad, you say, one-off or, or the best batter uh, uh, that's played for Lower House. All circumstances taken together, I dispute there's been a better batter in the Lancashire League. All circumstances taken together. Uh, but that is and you think that's cricket. Yeah. Got, to throw in the, got to throw in the sides he was playing in for a lot of his career as well. Yeah, exactly. And the wickets he played on. But no, going back to Haas, he was a special player. He, you know, he could adapt. He was a very, very intelligent cricketer. The way, you know, the way that, that he batted, he could work bowlers out. He could, like you said, Frankie, he could work the feet, you know, he could work, keep the scoreboard going when things were tough. He was an absolute top quality uh, cricketer. And it's a shame, he, you know, he couldn't play for us quite a bit longer. He had a really... Great lad as well. Great lad yeah. as well. Yeah, he's, he had a real positive effect on the dressing room. Yeah. Always willing, if you asked him anything, he'd always offer advice or an answer. Yeah, he was brilliant. I can remember really having, um, having some good chats with him. about. And he had, a pet, he had a pet tiger as well, didn't he? Yeah, he had a pet tiger. Back home, he had a pet tiger. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, Frank, we go, on a, we go on, a, on, a, on a run. We actually played Burnley back-to-back. That's, that's we did, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, and we and yeah. we won both games. I can remember you hitting a massive six at Turf Moor. Me? Oh well, yeah. I'm I'm really disappointed in that to be fair. It was Cappy, and uh, I was grafting all day, Cappy bowling donkey drops, and I kept patting everything back <laughs> until about somewhere in the last five or six overs, and I hit them sort of nearly into a Turf Moor. It's quite a, sort of not a claim to fame at all, but it's something that I would like. I would always. Uh, um, Wish it just went like two meters higher that it could just go into turf for us, so it could be a great story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it were massive, Jez. Um, is this Dooch? Is this the game where Charlie was eyeing in there, pro? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he just wouldn't shut up, he was just at him all the time. Can you remember how he was out? He tried to, no. he tried to ramp Francois, he battered, he got 14, but he battered for a really long, long period of time. Um, well, they were crumbling uh, around him, I think. And he tried to he tried to ramp here, and he, obviously he was bold. And Chaz um, made sure he knew what he thought. <laughs> what he thought. Made sure he made sure he knew which way to go back to changing room. Just to put yeah. this out there, I was just bowling that quick. That obviously the obvious option from going for six was to ramp me. Well, just to put that out there, that was yeah. the obvious choice for playing that shot. I mean, that's what we were thinking as well. So we go through that season, Frank, as you say. Building a lot of momentum, building a lot of confidence. As we were progressing through, we were, we, you know, we were top of the league, close to top of the league for the majority of the season as we, uh, as we progressed through. What, can you remember what you were thinking at the time? Obviously, it's a pretty young team. You know, I was 16 and Johnny was 15 and Ferg and Matt Walker were 17. Can you remember what you were thinking? Um, not really thinking, but like... I always, maybe now, when people look back in nostalgia and people go like, oh, Lower House started this junior setup and did everything. But if you look back in 2011, the junior players, like I think probably the best junior player, I think you scored a couple of runs, but was like Fergus with his bowling. Played a massive role being able to bowl a lot of overs. There was not like a seven-over rule with you standing up in the stumps. He was able to bowl lows, and he played a crucial role. But everybody else sort of didn't really contribute in terms of necessarily lows of match-winning performances. But we were just a good group where everybody was just happy at the time to contribute whatever it may be, what it was in the field. And 
I, I was not thinking like, oh, here we go, we're going to win it. But I just think we had such a unique time at the club that everybody was... I remember Thursday nights, how intense fielding training mm -hmm. was, how committed everybody was there. We had such a camaraderie as a whole that it was just a sort of a special time to be involved. If we won or lost, it was sort of irrelevant. We sort of just... Everybody bought into the idea that it was always... I when I started playing with like the best fielding teams are always in the top three in the league. That, that, that's that, that's a, a fact. And uh, if we could be one of the top three fielding teams, it would naturally mean we'd be in the top of top three uh, teams in the league. And I think winning or losing was, like I said, was irrelevant. And I think everybody just, the enthusiasm that the youngsters brought, the energy and the hunger that the older guys had, obviously seizing the opportunity that this could be a special season of winning something. It just sort of moulded together perfectly. Do you have anything to add on that, Joe? I remember training on the Thursday nights being brilliant. Um, and obviously, it's easy to say that when you're winning side. And I, would, I think we've talked about this before. When you, when you are winning, you know, it's very, very... Or it's it's a bit it's easier to get people pulling the trap out on Thursday nights, so it is a bit of chicken and egg. But I do remember Mark Whitehead used to come and watch us train, and he, mm. yeah, and he said, "Can't believe, can't believe what I'm watching." He said, "It's just brilliant how the standard levels that you're getting on a Thursday night, and it is that old adage, train hard, please." And uh, we were certainly doing that at that at that particular time. Uh, it, I mean, you're you're right, Joe. It was it was really intense. Everything was purposeful and. We made sure that we covered all bases. I mean, some of the drills that we did were, well, I just stood behind a stump, but some of the drills that the other people did were so difficult, but they made, they made us better cricketers and really improved us. And we were, we were an unbelievable field inside. Mark Whitehead used to say we, we, were, we were close to a county setup uh, with, our, with our fielding. But um, I, I, I think the mixture of that is, Joe, that the drills haven't changed, but I just think it was that mixture of youngsters wanting to show, having the character that they wanted to show the older guys, they were better than them, and the older guys having that attitude of, we are not going to let the younger guys show us that they are better than them, and that just molded that competitiveness, where maybe a few years down the line, it's like, I'm 35 now, or we are older, why do I still have to do fielding that intense. We've already shown everybody that we can do that. I just think it was that perfect time that everybody was vying for places. Like, no disrespect to Dooch, but like, Dooch, you're not going to do the same intensity and fielding like you did then. But at the time, you realized that that's what we valued and you were putting just as hard yards in as, for instance, a Johnny White or a Paddy Martin or Matt Walker. So it was just that competitiveness within the team that we all wanted to be better and you drove each other along all the time. And I, this is where, for instance, a blazing Charlie, like, Lesh, shoot, I don't know where he gets the drive from. He's been playing cricket for this long. Like, I'm already fed up with playing cricket. And he's like 50-odd. And he still puts in the hours to be physically ready to perform on a cricket field. It is astounding. And he's, and he's an amateur player. I mean, he's still been training during the lockdown. I mean, I've spoken to him and he's been doing, like, catches on, on the like, spring thing. I don't know what it's called. Um, but throwing himself catches and stuff like that, you know, to keep him to keep his, his eye in to make sure he's, you know, if, if, if at some point we are called upon during, after the lockdown, he's ready. He's ready to go. I did um, see him today, actually funny, Joe. I saw him today on his bike, <laughs> driving past, and he stopped and we had a chat and he had his weatherproof golf gloves on <laughs> as his uh, cycling gloves. <laughs> <laughs> the, le the lens he'll go to to get away from Lindsay for an hour. Um, Look at that. 
Dido chaps, if you look at I've just I've just been looking through the the players, you know, the, the amateurs and, and Franca, there's great players there. Yeah, you've you've got the you've got the we will work hard. There's clearly always a good team spirit at Law House. But there is some top players in that side. It, it is, Jace, but how many of those top players... So this is what I mean about the nostalgia, though, Jace, is at the time, now looking back on it, they are fantastic players. But how many overs did Paddy bowl? How many runs did Paddy score, for instance? How many runs did Joe score? How many runs or wickets did, did Matt Walker score or, or wickets he took? How many runs did Johnny Whitehead score? I don't think it was like a we have the best junior scenario. I just think as a team... Everybody just did their job. Like Finchie had an awesome season with the ball. Like I already said, Fergus did a fantastic ball with the, uh, job with the ball. And with the bat, we all sort of just chipped in, making sure we got more than the other team. Like we didn't, we only had to score 150 more than often than not, and we won the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But what I'm saying, you've got the depth there. You know, yeah, the figures, you know, speak for themselves, but you've got the depth of. You know, someone needs to step, step up to the plate because you've had two or three injuries or, or Paddy Martin's been banned early in his life. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, well, the you, fourth time, probably, yeah. yeah. But you need two or three players. You know, you, you know Lewis, Mars, Lewis Marsden's there, Matt Walker's a young man that's in there, obviously Charlie and Blaise Dooch. Fergus is playing well. There's no, there's no weak players in there, which is quite rare for any amateur club, uh, never mind Lower House. No, I think we were quite fortunate that we were brave as well in just throwing the ball to people and saying, show me what yeah. you've got. Like, I, I think it was just like a horses for courses type season. And I, I think it, we can't compare it to any of the other seasons that I've played in, that it was just that sort of that magic season where everything Charlie or somebody decided they were going to do just worked. Like, bar the first game, obviously we got both up for 47, but everything sort of just sort of came together and more none so than playing against Rottenstall against that game. I can remember walking up to the pitch and it was underwater mm. and I've taken a photo of that pitch and it was underwater and Vinnie Hansen going, no, right, we'll, we'll see if we can get a, a 20 over game each in on that. And that was crucial and that's actually winning the title that's that, that season. And you need that sort of luck and things going away to win titles. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that Rottenstall game, Hassan absolutely smashed it. I can remember, he, they had a cool leg right? spinning pro, yeah, they had cool yeah. and he And he kept bowling in full tosses and he kept hitting it over the wall. No. Again, that, that's a game that realistically we shouldn't have got on. And, and that season, we actually got all our home games on and we won all our home games. And that's the first team ever to do that in, that se- in, in the Lanks League, I think. I didn't know that. Yeah, we we needed we needed to win the last game to win obviously all our games, and we were the first club to do it. It's really surprising, really, but a, an amazing feat both for the players and for like the ground staff. I mean, I can remember Mark Whitehead pulling on covers and stuff, and yeah, and, you know, a real team effort to get games on. It was yeah. I can't remember if it was in 2011, but I can remember Mark bringing like a industrial heat. Oh yeah, yeah. Blow, yeah. Blow, yeah. It looked like a jet yeah. engine and blow drying the footholes on the yeah. pitch. <laughs> and obviously, yeah, Frank. I don't know whether it was that season or the season after, or even the season after that. But I can remember that. Um, obviously, everyone would have a different theory of how to use that heater. 
So some people were saying, you know, you need to just heat the ends. Other people were saying you need to have a, a consistent flow across the whole pitch to make it to make it as hard as possible. And I don't know, I don't know what effect it had, but we certainly got certainly got some was, games on. For it. Was Pete Tyre around that year? Was Pete Tyre on the ground? He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got yeah, a winner's yeah. medal. I'm just wondering, obviously with praising ground staff, it, it must have been Pete. I can't think who else it would have been. <laughs> so, uh, Frankie, I'm going to come to um, probably our defining game that season. It was another rain-affected game. So, I mean, that's it's, we had quite a few rain-affected games, so it shows how wet the, the season was. But it's the home game against Ramit. Um, yeah. Really important game. You know, if if we win, we're probably going to go on and win the win the title. If they win, they'd probably seize the initiative and and go on and win the title themselves. I can remember the build up to that game. We were all, I was very nervous. I don't know if Jez can recall some of. The, I had conversations with Jez, um, saying yeah. that I, you know, some I didn't sleep. Yeah, that's right. Um, it was quite a so a couple of things. So the first thing was. So bringing it back right to the start, I've literally just come off, off a flight from South Africa, had a meeting with David Rin and Charlie at um, Sycamore Farm, put my bags in at my room at Jules's, and then straight whizzing straight back for my next at Low House. So I was not expected to, expecting to bowl or anything, but obviously everybody looking at me, like you said, being six foot six, they are like, he's going to be going pure gas. How quick is he going to be? So I felt that pressure. Without warming up or anything, I charged him. Like I was going to step over half a yard, but I was going to be rapid. And I remember about my fourth ball, I pulled a muscle in my quad. But being my first ever practice, I never told anybody this. So I was like sort of just keeping it on the down low. And I sort of managed it through the whole season. But coming up to that Rami season, and this is one thing that also, stupidly for me, I always annoyed me about the Lance League. Having no bowl or over, over restrictions, being a seam bowler, and crucial, I didn't say fast bowler, but a seam bowler, I can't compete with a overseas spinner or a pro spinner. Like, they could bowl 25 overs on the trot. A seam bowler bowling 25 overs on the trot every game is a recipe for disaster. Like, obviously, Jess can contest to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, but to be honest, Jess, I never, ever complained once. I never, ever said to any captain that captured me at Lower House, like, I'm tired, I can't bowl now. I always said, give me the ball. What I'll do now is I'll bowl from four steps, but I will promise I will still bowl. Like, I, I would never stop bowling. And maybe... To my detriment, leading down the line, it might have had some negative effects down the line. But at the time, if that meant we won that one game and I kept bowling, I would 100% have done that. And against Ramley, I can remember I pulled my quad again, which would obviously have some impact later on, maybe in that season, like at Tottenham. But I can remember pulling my game and I said to Charlie, it is, I'm really in massive pain. I, 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 can't, I can't bowl. And, I, and I, didn't, I don't know how many overs I bought, but I don't think I bought that many overs like I normally do in that day. Ten. Eight, yeah. Like I said to Charlie, I can't bowl Charlie. If I had to bowl more overs than this, I, I won't be able to play next week. And that was like the first time, like I said, I'm finished. And there was other games, I bought 19, 20, 21 overs, sometimes straight through if, if mm. it needs to be. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, Jez will know. I always allude to the fact of Jez bowling so many overs during his during his career, bowling 21 overs one day and then 21 overs the day after as an amateur, must have you know a, a, a real effect on your on your body, as as we as we've discussed, Jez. So in that Rami game, Frank, so you pulled your you pull your quad or your hamstring or I can't remember. No quad, Joe. Your quad, quad, yeah, pull your quad. 
I still got um, a massive hole. If I've not shown you yet, I can, I can do it. It's like my low house memory. Massive hole in my quad. Yeah, I, I know you've shown me on numerous occasions for the... What's a uh, quad? Your thigh. Your thigh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know you can't see it over your uh, massive stomach, dude, but if you pull, tuck it in, you'll look, that, that's sort of your quad. So, Frank, they got, um, they got 113 off 30 overs, and we obviously went out to bat. The thing I can remember from that game, actually, I batted three in a 30-over game, because, you know, I'm known for my big hitting. I can remember uh, Mick Aslam just hitting me in my neck three times because yeah. it just kept cutting off the pitch and just kept smashing me in my neck. My, every, every memory I have of playing Rami when Mickey Aslam was playing, that I hated it. He was the worst scene bowler as an amateur that I used to face. It, just, for some, it always felt like a Rami that had like a wet patch for his end. Like he always used to <laughs> bowl in like a wet patch. And it, it seemed like every time he played, he just seemed to hit the wet patch and just push it across you, and he was boring as, which made it so hard to score off, where normally amateurs would be greedy and try and fire it into your pads or anything. And he, he was like the perfect fold for uh, John Fielding. Like, I, I would say 40% of John Fielding's wicket was Mickey Haslam bowling so tight on the other end. And that, that's my memory. Like, I was just about to say, I could just remember not being able to get Mickey Haslam off the square. Like, yeah. I couldn't score boundaries of him. He just kept pushing it across, bowling a good length. Um, but I can remember Paddy scoring the winning runs and him work, walking off. That, that, that's sort of a, a memory that, that sort of sticks with me. Yeah, well, from the last over, I can't remember how many we needed. But as you say, Paddy hit the winning runs. But in that, Matt Walker was dropped. Uh, I think one of the Bell brothers dropped him. They were fielding at cover. And he sort of turned his wrists and edged it. And, and they just dropped it and they managed to get a single. And um, Paddy managed to hit the winning runs that just trickled over the line. And there's a fantastic picture on um, the Lanks League website of him, of him celebrating that, that win. And I can remember that game because it gave, it gave me confidence thinking, right, we're going we're gonna to win the league. I can't believe this. This is unbelievable. How on earth has this happened? Yeah, I was called back actually, like I was called back the game early. So it, it became really, really important for me that I wanted to go home winning the league and I didn't want to leave. And then the last game or whatever, somebody else had to come in and win the league. And I, I knew that like two weeks out. So it was it was vitally important. Joe, what can you remember from that game? Did you have any... Can you... I just, yeah, I remember batting with Paddy towards the end and... Um... I was saying to Paddy, don't, uh, don't do anything stupid. We've got it. Don't do anything stupid. And John Fielding walked past and said, do, do do something stupid. Do do something stupid. <laughs> uh, but like you say, Paddy was ultra cool. And uh, I, I obviously didn't last till the end. I got Aslan clean me up. But then uh, Paddy saw us on. I think yeah. it was dark. I do remember it yeah, being it dark. dark. Yeah, I remember it being dark. Yeah, absolutely. And at that point, can, do, do, you, can you, do you think we were going to win the league? Or did you have no doubt we were going to win the league? Or... Once we beat Ramsbottom, I think it was almost almost done and dusted, wasn't it? We only needed a, a, about another five points after that, I think, from memory. Well, I think we um, needed... Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Because um, the game after was rained off, so we yeah. went to Tomlin, two games left. I, th- I, think, I think we only needed a handful of points from that Tomlin game. Yeah, so the Tomlin game, I could, I'd spoken to Jez before it, asked him how he felt before the Worsley Cup, uh, and we talked through nerves and anxiety and stuff. Duke, can you remember anything before that game? Because I can remember one thing. No, mate, go on. Francois dyed his hair. Oh, is that when he dyed his hair black? 
<laughs> that was before oh, the Accrington game, boys. That was the Accrington game. I wasn't thought. Oh, was yeah. it? Well, I can't remember you dying it before that, but I can but I can just remember your hair being a very funny colour at Todmorden and there was like a purple haze around it. Why did you do that? Right, I'm, I'm quite an exuberant individual. So basically what happened was me and Oki were in, uh, in Manchester and uh, he had his, uh, he, he's, he's got a ginger moustache, so he dyes it black. So we were buying him black dye. So I went, there's a two for one sale. The other one is heavy blonde. So I was like, what would be cool? Let's get the blonde and we'll dye my hair blonde and see what it comes out with. And then whatever is left, if it looks terrible, I'll just dye it black. So we end up dyeing my hair blonde and I look like Keith Lemon. It was a, like a <laughs> ginger <laughs> strawberry blonde that it came out, came out with. <laughs> so uh, we sort of decided, right, I, I don't think this is gonna work. I'll just uh, dye it black straight away. And uh, obviously two blokes doing it. Um, it came out quite patchy in terms of my scalp was black. Um, <laughs> It was probably not the best thing to do a day before the game, but yeah. Yeah, so um, I think um, the Todmorden game was also a pretty wet, wet wicket. It wasn't, it wasn't a good wicket at Todd, as is you know, usually the case that you know, people say that you always get a good wicket at Todd, but it was really slow, it was really wet, it must have had a lot of rain. And we got to 120 thinking, well, I thought, to be honest with you, that you know, we, we might struggle here. Uh, they had Kaiser Abbas, who was a really quality bowler. Again, there's another picture on the uh, there's another picture on the website from this from this game that I think shows the shows the wicket. Um, but I can remember getting 120 odd and thinking this isn't this isn't going to be enough, going to be nowhere near enough. But Paul Stanley said Paul Stanley said to us 120 120 would win us this game. 110 would win us this game. Do you remember your thoughts during that batting innings, Frank and Dooch? No, I don't remember anything from that game, if truth be told. <laughs> even though we even though we won the league. I remember coming off afterwards after yeah. the game had been won, but I don't remember it's funny I don't remember Paul saying that'd be enough, but um sounds like the sort of thing he'd say. Uh, but I can't I, I don't remember I just looking at the card, I mean, how much better is league cricket now the pro can't bowl twenty five over or yeah, any absolutely. ball can bowl twenty five overs. Absolutely. So much better. I think it keeps everybody interested. I don't mean just the players, but I think it keeps everybody Everybody interested. And it, makes it, can cap, change. Makes cap, it makes the caps have to think about it as well. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, you know, you actually have to captain because, I mean, you know, Sav would have been able to go into those games knowing that he didn't, didn't need to find a bowler from you one end. Think about one end. Yeah, exactly. Think about one end bowl, uh, you know, mm. some, some guy bowling. I can remember Matt Walker hitting a big six. It bounced into the, um, I remember it bouncing past the uh, changing rooms. And as, we, and as we went on, uh, Francois, you should be able to inform us about what happened when we went out to bowl. <laughs> so, uh, the day before, we actually played East Langs and we literally went on for a couple of overs. And I obviously struggling with my quad the week before. I went out to set for a quick single and I just felt, well, this is not right. So, I was nervous all the time about the squad. So, I didn't face a lot of balls. I can remember pulling Kaiser Abbas for a six. And then next ball, he bowled an arm ball, and I still tried to pull him for six. And by the time I was set for pulling, I think he bowled me or LBW. <laughs> so, all in all, I thought, this is a blessing in disguise. I can have time to rest. 
So running up, first ball, bowled it, and I just felt a massive pain. And I just said to Charlie, um, Charlie, I, 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 I feel I can't bowl. But what I can do is I can bowl from one step. And I, I, honestly, I said, Charlie, I can try and run in, but I, I feel I can't. But I can bowl from one step, and I can bowl as many overs as you want. And Charlie just went, yeah. And if you actually look back, I think that must have been my most economical spell I've ever bowled for lower out. And I literally bowled standing in the popping crease and just doing like, you know, like you do bowling drills with kids, like doing like one arm up and bowl. And I just used, you stood up and I just bowled at your gloves. Yeah. All day. That's all uh, I did. All you, day. You bowled 18 overs, Frank. Uh, none for 29. Oh, wickets. Because I dropped one of my own bowling and I split my finger. I can remember I, it was blood pouring out of my finger and I've got my sweater because I had everybody sign it the evening afterwards and blood everywhere because I used to I wipe my finger on it all the time. <laughs> um, I would estimate that I dropped between six and ten catches that game. I dropped Simon Nubit three times off your bowling. Um, and, yeah, it wasn't a good game behind the stumps. But... Uh, yeah, I can remember you bowling off one step um, and just them not being able to hit you at all. But Finch obviously was amazing that game. He got their pro out. You, I mean, you had to stand at slip, I think. I can't even remember, Joe. But I think you had to stand at slip. At the time, I felt like if me and Finch are bowling in tandem, people weren't going to get many runs. Either I was going to get five wickets or he was going to get five wickets. And we were building pressure from both ends. We were not express pace, which playing in the Lancashire League is, is perfect because less pace on the ball makes it harder to score. Like slow wickets, slow outfields. The wickets aren't great always. Like you can't just throw your hands through the ball. If they do get an edge on it, it only goes for one. Where if you're bowling 85 miles an hour, those edges go for four. Plus, nobody in the team can catch those in the slips, can they? So, it's it not team, anyway. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so, it just was a perfect uh, combination of complementing each other bowling-wise. Like, I, I think even now, like I, I still highly rate and I like bowling with Finchy or a type of bowler like him who can just dry the runs up because I know I'm going to dry runs up. So, if we dry it up for both ends. I know I'm more than likely to take wickets. Yeah, I mean, I think in that game, he just managed to find a rhythm and consistency that just allowed him to bowl in one spot. He got their pro out with, a, with one of his leg cutters that just sort of ripped off a length and it took his glove and you caught it. And it was, it was absolutely incredible to watch. So obviously, as we go, you know, we're going through that game, steadily taking wickets, they're not being able to score. And I think there is, you know, we, we've, you know we're really going to go and, and win the league. And obviously Finch took the last wicket. It was, a, it was a stumping. It was the only one that I caught during the day. And again, I just genuinely couldn't believe that we'd won the league. Properly couldn't believe it. Yeah, um, I, I think the video does justice. Like, just the fact, I've never felt so much raw emotion of everybody screaming and running together. Like, I, I can't explain that feeling like that pure emotion, like, and the only thing that rivals it is probably the Worsley Cup at, at uh, church when I took that final wicket and I, and I can remember vividly just standing there and just screaming like and everybody running on and that emotion, it's, it's sort of addictive because you can't recreate it and it's very difficult to recreate it and I think that's why a lot of guys still play because they are chasing that feeling um, all the time and it was just such a special moment and all of it Jules was crying uh, like I said David Wren everybody 
just it was just special. It was just an absolute special moment. Yeah, I saw that. I watched the video the other day of us winning that league in 2011. Um, and when after after we took the last wicket, you can see Blaise running in the top corner, like swinging his hat around, um, like he was in some kind of rodeo or <laughs> something like that. It's a really Tiffa was there as well, wasn't he, from memory? Yeah, Tiffa was there. Um, I think there's a picture of him on Kipax or something like that, where you can see um, you can see Tiffa. Really, what what were your thoughts about that, uh, Joe? I know you said you can't remember anything from the game, but you can remember it afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it felt like we were always by that stage. It felt like we were always going to do it. So, it, what I know what you're saying, the, the raw emotion was there, but it's not like when you win a cup, for example, and it's it's in the balance. You kind of we kind of built up to that that moment for a for a couple of weeks. But yeah, it was brilliant just to see everybody there and pitch invasions and stuff like that. It's, like Frankie says, you can't really explain that. Just looking at you get to be part of it, really. Go on, Frank. No, no. So just one thing I, I want to really add for people to just give a bit of perspective. Because I do think, if maybe from the outside looking in, people don't appreciate certain members of that 2011 team. And, I, and we very hardly speak any positive words about each other. But the likes of Dooch and like Johnny Russell, I think are crucial members of an amateur winning side the way they conduct themselves and the way they were fantastic team members and the way they just enhance their enthusiasm in the team I think later on maybe in 2013 we've lost a bit of that character in the team and it's in a professional setup you don't need it because everybody gets paid to play. You are there to do a job. But in an amateur side, you do need characters in the side. And I do think maybe later on we were valuing talent maybe a little bit more than character. And it maybe affects uh, performances. I don't know how maybe, for, for instance, Dooch and Jace feels about that um, opinion. But I do genuinely feel like that is a crucial part of a winning side is that you do have characters in the team that, that it does play a role in. I agree. I agree with you, and I think it does play a role. But it's a it's a brave selection policy to to ignore talent and pick character. And I, 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 there was nobody getting left out of that side because because me and Johnny were good lads. That, no, that's definitely not something that went that was just went hand in hand. I just think that's it's got to happen naturally. That I don't think you can you can sort of engineer that that position by picking lads just to be good lads you, you know they, they, you get in the side because you can play and if any, anything else you can bring anything else to the table as well then great Jess what were your obviously this was was you know one of the seasons that we've discussed on this podcast that you weren't really involved in uh, you're obviously a spectator but not in any um, you know official capacity in terms of you know a selector or a player can what were your kind of overriding thoughts from that season do you think fantastic really elated you know I didn't know anything about Frankie when he came as you said I didn't have you know any say I, I'd chat to David Wren regularly where Charlie would ask me things and I would speak to Charlie about various aspects of the game didn't know anything about Frankie coming in but what a what a good you know Lancashire League professional you know he turned out to be in that first season you know he would win we and Frankie have had these conversations you know, over a number of years. Frankie would would change a game by bowling a certain way for three overs in the middle of a game where he didn't necessarily get a wicket. He would just do something that would stop them rotating the strike. He would keep the pro away from the strike. 
and that will change a game, which ultimately would change the season. So, answer to your question, Joe, it was fantastic to watch. It really was a great year for me to watch watch the club win. Um, you know what the funny thing is, though? I, I, I thought about it a little bit, knowing I'm coming up to uh, do the podcast, and I just thought it was like a perfect marriage. Like, I have, I have nothing special about myself in my cricket game. Like, I'm not... I can't score a 70 of 30 balls. I'm not going to blow out the side and bowl them out. But what I'm going to give you is 100% commitment. And I just think my attitude and the terms of how I play cricket may be just suited and not inspired is maybe not the right word, but everybody thought like, wow, he's not that special cricketer, but he's 100% committed. So that and maybe I could do that. If I'm a bit more committed and we are all a bit more committed, we could all do a bit better. And I think that was just sort of the perfect marriage that we, like you said, Jess, I honestly feel like I didn't blow out teams. I didn't blow teams away. I didn't bowl anybody out. Like I didn't do anything special. I was just doing the grind work, like the basics, better maybe than, than somebody else. And I just stuck to it. And I think everybody bought into that idea. And, and that's why I still believe to play cricket. Like if, we are boring in a 50-over match and, and nobody can get more than 200 runs with our batting lineup. We, we should get that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, it was one... Of, it, it's, that season is one of my... Uh, probably one of my best cricketing memories. Just in terms of shock, because I didn't think we were going to win the league at the start of the season. And, and, and I've spoken to Francois a few times in this. I genuinely find Francois an extremely inspiring person. He always has something to say and more often than not it's the right thing and just listening to him that year as a 16 year old and he's not that much older than I am but listening to him as a 16 year old I would listen to every single word he said because it was so valuable and it shaped me as a as a cricketer uh, and 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 in many other things that I've done as well so it was a really amazing experience that year where everything came together and it created something really incredible I think. Um, uh, thanks, Joe. Is, do you normally listen to me before ten beers or after ten? <laughs> well, he, he said a, he said he listened to you as a sixteen-year-old. I don't think he still listens to you so intently now. <laughs> Send more house to save the house.